Welcome back to another Southside Hit Pin podcast. I'm Clinton Cole, and joining me on Skype is Scott Merkin. Scott is joining me for Future Sox podcast, and we've talked various things, but uh, we're talking the big league club today. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Clinton? Doing all right. Just got back from Texas uh, late Sunday night, so it's good to be back home, so it's nice to not also be in the heat and in the COVID hotspots. That's also a good thing. Yes, yes. I hope you're safe out there. Yeah, we were in a very, very tiny, tiny, tiny town, about an hour outside of Fort Worth, and an, so an hour between Fort Worth and then another hour uh, east of Abilene, so in between those two. So we we're in the middle. Oh, of the I got gotcha. you. But uh, it was that, it was held at one of the top JUCOs in the country, and you know it was a good time. We had a good time, but you know it was. I did. I broadcasted. I think I did 525 innings of baseball in four weeks. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So. <laughs> I remember, I remember uh, back in my high school days, which were long ago, um, I broadcast a team called the Midlothian White Sox. Midlothian is like a uh, southwest suburb near like Alsup and Crestwood and Payless. Right, right. And that area. And they had, they had a pretty good, it was a pretty well-known semi-pro team. And they had like some guys who had had, you know, like, I think, I think it's somewhat similar to the league Jake Berger is going to be playing in, in okay. O'Fallon. And it was, it was kind of, I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember what station it was now. Might have been WLNR and Lansing, which is now something else, 106.3. But it was fun. It was fun. I did probably like 30 of those games one summer while I was like a sophomore in college. So good, good, always good to broadcast in baseball, right? Especially yeah, what we've fun. gone through the last few months. Yeah, exactly. And I know the area well. I'm actually um, wearing my Trinity Christian baseball shirt I played there. So right in oh, very nice. Palos Heights. So that's funny. But uh, yeah, so yeah, you mentioned Jake Berg. We'll get to him in a second, but uh, the White Sox have been playing inter-squad games, and I believe their exhibition where they have Sunday against the Cubs, and then uh, Sunday, mon- Sunday at Wrigley, Monday at home against the Cubs, Tuesday off day, Wednesday at home against the Brewers, Thursday off day, and good Lord willing, Friday they open that <laughs> night against the we'll Twins. Get things going, yeah. And the Cubs, I believe, open at home that night against the Brewers, so it'll be a big baseball night in Chicago. It'll be. Uh, be something. I, it's just so weird in the summer without baseball. But uh, so I guess first of all, what's this been like? You know, this first week or so back being at the ballpark. Well, you have to understand. Yeah, you know, I've done this for 18 years, and then I, you know, before that I worked for the Tribune for six, and I worked for a paper called the Daily South Town, and it's just nothing I've ever, you know, gone through. And I have to give the Sox media relations and, and the staff in general a ton of props. They've handled this very well. You know, they've been great with one-on-one requests and great with the zoom calls and requests on, you know, who we want for those. And, but it's just weird, you know, we're used to kind of having some sort of control as beat writers. And I don't mean control, like dictating when the socks work out or when, you know, right. what Ricky Renteria can say and not says, but you know, you're used to getting into the clubhouse around at home on three 30. You're there until about four, four ten. do your interviews, go back up and work and go back in post game. And now there's really, you have no control right now, you know I mean? And understandably so it's a, it's a strange time. And the, the biggest thing, above baseball and AL Central titles and World Series titles and All-Stars and Luis Robert making his long-awaited debut is just people staying healthy and people staying safe. So, it, you know, there's no grounds at all to complain on that stuff. If the line is too long for us to get in the ballpark, tough. You know, you got to right. wait. If you don't like wearing a mask in the ballpark, again, tough. Cover the game from home. You know, it's that simple. There's no, you know, you can still complain about the usual things. Oh, I thought he'd say more or can't we get the pitching, you know, layoff for the next five days. But, you know, in terms of the dynamics of it, it's just weird, but I'm not saying it's wrong. It's what has to happen for this season, even at 60 games to go through. 
with the uh, with the expanded rosters, I mean, there's guys up there that we definitely didn't think we would see um, this season, and there's guys that, you know, with Mankato, I'm speaking of Madrigal uh, directly here, that he may be, you know, ready to go since Mankato's not there right now. I mean, it, I guess I want to talk about some of the new guys first, the, the younger guys, Andrew Vaughn and Madrigal and Robert. I mean, those guys... Those are the three biggest names, I guess, that you know of the new guys. So, I mean, what have you what have you thought about those guys? Yeah, I would think I don't know if you agree on this. I would think if Moncada isn't ready to go, I would think if he's not ready to go, and hopefully, you know, everything's kosher with him. Obviously, you know, there's been no reason given for his trip to the injured list, and you can make your own assumptions from there, which are probably you know somewhat accurate. But hopefully, he's healthy and ready to go. And he, you know, uh, I'm not saying this is him, but the guys who did the two guys who did test positive for Corona or for COVID-19 were asymptomatic, which is, which is good to hear. But I would, I would think, uh, you know, Madrigal certainly has made a case for himself. He's played well and you can move Leary to third base and put Madrigal at second, but I would think Mendick or maybe even Cuthbert start at third base, you know, until Moncada comes back. And, you know, they, I think the Sox hope that a, he'll be ready to start the season and B, if he's not, that it'll be shortly after that. You know, Mendick is the perfect utility guy. He literally plays everywhere. Matter of fact, I'm, I worked on a story today on him where he told him, talked about how he wanted to play all nine positions, you know, including pitcher and catcher. He's just the quintessential jack of all trades, but I think he would work up pretty, you know, they have a very deep lineup for the first time in a while. So if you have a guy like Mendick in there or have a guy, you know, eventually like Madrigal, who's going to hit, but not going to be a huge power guy. I think you can do that now with this lineup. You know, you have, you have seven or eight viable power RBI threats in that lineup. So you can go through, but back to your question, you're talking about Madrigal Vaughn and who else did you mention? And Robert, you know, the three guys that we haven't seen that are facing major league competition. In these well, first of all, we have to understand that this is inter-squad action. Right. You know, I always joke about no one ever got to the hall of fame on spring training. I don't think <laughs> anyone ever, you know, made the big leagues off inter-squad action. I've seen some, I've seen some great performances in inter-squad action over the years in spring training in Arizona that amounted to nothing. And I've seen some guys who were cruising along who got derailed in inner squad. So, you know, it, it, it means more now because there's been no baseball since March. Mm. I want to say, I want to say 11th for the Sox. I think Michael Kopech's start on the 11th against Texas was then fouled or the 10th. It might've been was followed by a rainout and an off day. And then the season being, you know, postponed on that Friday, the 13th. Right. So, you know, I think it means more because of that people are just loving to see in baseball action. It's great that they're streaming the games now because people are just, just craving baseball. Uh, you know, I, Robert is <clears throat> just looks like a can't miss guy. He just, he looks like a bears defensive back playing baseball for the white Sox. You know, I mean, he's, it, it's hard to project anyone because there's been a lot of guys who look great in a uniform that ended up not hitting that level, but I think he's just got the perfect combination of skill and the desire to be good and the desire to get better and desire to improve that I, I think, you know, I was talking today about this. I realized that the Sox podcast, but think about it, you know, Chicago baseball in general could have changed quite a bit, maybe not immediately, but over the years as we've got to here, if Luis Robert would have picked the Cardinals over the White Sox, you know, I think it was down to those two teams mm-hmm. from what, you know, the reports were the White Sox and Cardinals and just think how it influences both teams. I'm sure Sox fans could care less how it would have influenced the Cubs, but it certainly would have influenced the Sox. I mean, they have a lot of great young talent there, but I think he is kind of the fulcrum of this rebuild. He is the main guy. You know, Madrigals look good. I mean, it, it's just so hard. To, right. I, I would say this. I would say Vaughn and Robert have stood out the most out of this, and I think partially because you see Vaughn playing third, which is not his regular position, and I don't believe he'll start the season as a third base if Moncada, third baseman if Moncada is not ready. 
But, I mean, he's been very impressive. He was impressive back in Arizona. He just – he really seems like he gets it. He's a big league hitter, you know, with only a little bit of minor league experience. So, I think, you know, this is a guy who may be part of the team, I don't know, breaking camp next year, if not at some point this year if they need it. And Madrigal looks good. Madrigal, you know, does the things he does very well. He makes contact. He gets hits. He can run. I mean, you can see from our angle in the press box, especially with no fans in front of us, you can just see how quick he is and how quick he gets out of the box. So, yeah, I wrote about this the other day that, you know, you see the main guys who you hear a lot about, you know, Jimenez and Moncada, and I'm going to leave people out, but and Giolito and Lopez and Cease, who all have done something at the big league level already. But think about the, the depth that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams have built behind these guys. You know, Zach Collins has had a good camp and he's starting to hit. You have Vaughn, you have Madrigal, you added Crochet and Kelly in this draft. You had Thompson and Dahlquist, two pitchers last year. You know, you can go on and on. They really have. And remember, not all these guys are going to play. Let's not forget Dunning and Lambert, who are back Mm -hmm. from Tommy John surgery. Not all these guys are going to end up playing for the Sox. They may end up being parts of trades that enhances the team, especially with, you know, the financial situation that all teams are going to, you know, come out of this season in most likely. So I, I just think it's a great depth they've built up. Again, you got to get a lot of these guys to make sure you get a few that come through. But I really think that, you know, Vaughn and Robert have been the two that have really jumped out at me during this, you know, since camp began on what, July 3rd at guaranteed rates. You know, seeing, I saw Luis in Winston-Salem, Canapolis in Winston-Salem, you know, two years ago, and he looked like a, a defensive back, and he's just gotten bigger. And, yeah, I would assume he's gotten faster. And it's just, it's crazy to think that he could have, not improved baseball wise, but body wise from what he was then until what he is now. He's just a absolute, just a, a freak of nature on the baseball field. Well, we're talking overall about how, how about how much the perception changed on this rebuild at the end of last year. You know, Robert two years ago had an injury plague season. I don't think he had a home run the whole season, right? In his first uh, foray into the minor leagues stateside. And then last year he had one of the best, you know, the most complete, right. uh, overall seasons you'll see in minor league history, probably, you know, with like 32 homers, 109 runs scored, 92 RBIs, 36 stolen bases, 32, 36 doubles, 11 triples. It was just insane, you know, and think about the great September Jimenez had Tim Anderson won the batting title. Abreu won the RBI title, although Abreu was already an established veteran. Mm. Uh, Moncada finished third in the AL and hitting and had, you know, an MVP type caliber season. Giolito was, you know, an ace. You know, he shut out the Astros and the Twins in their home ballpark, two of the best hitting teams in baseball. And Lopez, who had a great 18, had a little bit of a rough 19, but still had flashes of brilliance. Struck out 14 Tigers, struck out 11 in Cleveland, threw a one-hitter there. And, you know, Cease got good experience. So there was a huge difference in perception from the end of 18, where you're like, okay, you know, I see these guys, but what's going on? To 19, where you're like, okay, this looks like it's about to turn the corner. And then they added all these great veterans not only solid players, but guys who have won and can help these young guys, especially now in a 60 games, you know, sprint. And it, it seems like a good count. Not saying they're going to go in and win the world series. I'm not saying they're going to even finish 500 this year, but I'm saying the hope is there and the direction is pointed in the right way for sure. Uh, for some of those guys that you mentioned, the, the new additions, I mean, we, we know about Tim Anderson. We know about Mankato. We know what Aloy has done in, in who else am I missing? Um, whatever. But for Grandal and, I guess him specifically, I guess, you know, the catcher, obviously one of the most important positions on the field. I mean, if you want to say most important, that's fine. But what is what has impressed you the most about him? I know, like you said, inner squad, it's been 10 days. 
but even going back to spring training. I'm sorry, you cut off for one thing. You're talking about Grant, talking about Grandal, right? Grandal, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, you know, Grandal is just uh, uh, the kind of guy you want as a catcher. You say with McCann, you know, they're both leaders. And, you know, Grandal, from the moment he signed, yes, Monty Grandal, was working with the pitchers. You know, he was really getting to know them and getting what, to know what they like to do. And you heard Giolito talk about a certain, you know, working on the curveball the other day during the inter-squad game. And that's what, you know, he, even though he felt good with his fastball and changeup, that was what Grandal set out to do for that start. And that's what they did. So I think he's just, you know, him and a guy like Keuchel, you know, and everyone knows about Grandal's pitch framing that's been talked about. That he's exceptional in that area. He's a guy who gets on base. He's a guy who hits for power. But I think, you know, just the way he's going to lead this team, the way he's going to kind of set the tone. And there's really, you know, there's no time for a big slump. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if the Sox come out and lose, you know, all three, let's say, to start the season at home against the Twins. It doesn't mean let's start trading off the veterans and work for a new, you know, new season. It just means, you know, that you got to bounce back quick. But you can't go 2-15. and 15. You know, you have a 2-15 and 15 stretch, you better counter it with something just as good. And I think veterans like Keuchel and Encarnacion and Grandal and Ciszek and Gio Gonzalez, you know, are going to really, and of course, Abreu, who is key in that whole thing, are really going to make a difference on this team and with, with these young guys. Some of the new pitchers, you, you mentioned Keuchel. I mean, you said today you were waiting to talk to him and, you know, Gio, who had a great, uh, a nice resurgent year in Milwaukee last year. I think, you know, with Kopech not not pitching, we'll get to him in a second. I mean, those guys are – they're even more important now, I guess. Not not just from leadership, but now for, for innings-wise. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny because of the fact that – I mean, we didn't – you didn't want – no one wanted this pandemic to happen. Good Lord, it's been horrible. People have been sick. People have passed away. It's been, it's been just tragic, really. There's no other word to it. But, I mean, this delay actually has kind of helped the Sox to some extent. I mean, if you can – just put it purely, totally, and unabridged in baseball vernacular, you know, I mean, because, you know, they now have, where they weren't sure on the pitching, they now could have a deep staff coming out of camp. You know, they could have, if everything works out well, you know, Giolito, Keuchel, Lopez, Cease, Gonzalez, Rodon, and then not too far behind, you know, Dane Dunning and Jimmy Lambert, who both are ready. And none of the, you know, not Kopech, who is, you know, elected not to play this year, not Rodon, not Dunning, and not Lambert were ready at the start of camp. And here's another thing. I don't think Gio Gonzalez was ready to break camp with the team. And I don't think Edward Encarnacion would have broke camp with that team either because he was having, you know, back and kind of hip issues. Gio was coming back from his shoulder issues. And even Lucas Giolito had only thrown one inning in spring training, you know, going into the, when it shut down. So, you know, what was missing before now kind of is there and we'll see how it kind of managed. And, you know, it's going to be interesting because, Keiko and Grandal nailed it. You know, they've talked about this really is playoff baseball from the start. So, yeah, you're going to see guys like Giolito, you know, go seven or eight innings because that's what he does. You're going to see maybe Lopez a few times. But I think for the most part, with the, especially with the extra guys to start with, and then, you know, it goes from 30 to 28 to 26. For the most part, you're going to see, you know, five innings, six innings, and then give it to the bullpen. Well, in the Sox case, they can pair a couple of these guys together, especially with the extra guys early on. And, you know, maybe have a guy go five innings and a guy go four innings, and that saves the bullpen if it works out that way. So they're in a good position. It's just a question of where everyone fits and how it how it breaks out. Two more questions before you let you go. Uh, one is regarding the taxi squad. What what I know, that, you know, the Cubs are doing theirs in South Bend, which is, you know, they got a, a nice ballpark there. And then the, the White Sox, obviously, in Schaumburg. What did you 
what do you make of Jake Berger not, I guess, of him doing what he's doing? And then is there anyone that you thought was left off um, now, for various reasons? I, I don't know why. Um, but is there anyone very, that was left off either the taxi squad or the, uh, the big league squad that, that comes to mind for you? Well, I just think, you know, this is this was given to me or corrected me by our great columnist, Mark Feinson. I think this is technically called just the player pool overall. Okay. And then you have the guys working, you know, the 43 with, you know, Kopech out at big league camp and then the 16 in the satellite camp. I think the taxi squad is the guys they can bring with for the road games, I believe. Is that that's okay, the taxi got squad. It, got it. Just a little semantic thing. Right. But, you know, I, it's, I, I'm not privy to, like, the exact breakdown they had. Like, I, I understand the burger thing. Jake's finally in a great place. And I don't mean finally, like, it's about time. I mean, that's great for him. You know, I had a good talk with him, I believe, back at the start of this whole pandemic thing where he talked about his battle with depression about going through the injuries. And, you know, it's going to be three years, you know, uh, until he gets into this league. Was put it three years away from organized baseball, mm-hmm. counting this season. So you know, I don't know if inter squad games in Schaumburg would have done the trick for him. I don't know if that's what they wanted for him. So I think letting him play at home, letting him live at home, and just go to those games and get the experience is great for him. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of names. You know, Gavin Sheets had a good year last year. He's not on either one. Yeah, that was the, the two main young one pitchers. Mind, yeah. yeah, I mean, but you know, I think a good part of that satellite squad though is, and that's what's hurting Jake. I think in that case is guys that can help the team. You know, I don't think it's considered a development thing. Now I get it with Garrett Crochet, their top pick this year at number 11, left-handed pitcher out of Tennessee, that it is partially a development thing. But I also do believe that if push comes to shove and it's really necessary, they believe he could go to the majors and, you know, capably pitch an inning here, two innings here for them. So I don't think anyone's on that roster who they don't believe would help the team this year. And maybe they just didn't feel like Berger and his improved state great physical condition, feeling good, has his lateral movement back a little bit, you know, uh, looking good at his Instagram videos, hitting the ball and making him play, you know, taking ground balls at third. And she's, maybe they just didn't believe there was a spot for them up at the next level because, you know, you already have Abreu and Encarnacion, and then you have Zach Collins and uh, Yerman Mercedes. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, blocked out there. So it, it really, aside from crochet, and then, you know, of course, assuming that Vaughn and Madrigal, you know, don't break with the team, they'll be there too. Aside from those three, it's not really a developmental situation, but those three also will be able to help the team this year if necessary. So it's, you know, that was the focus, just to sort of back up the, you know, everyday roster for the White Sox in 2020. Last thing, Scott, um, you know, with the shortened season and, and the pandemic and 60 games, and we're starting at the end of July, you know, the trade deadline moved back. I mean, what kind of, I mean, obviously I'm asking a question that literally nobody can predict, but if you had to make your best guess, I mean, what kind of activity, not necessarily even for the White Sox, but what kind of activity do you think might happen uh, near that trade deadline? Boy, even my best guess, I don't know if I could answer at this point. You know, I mean, I think, I think there's not going to, I just, I don't know how active it would be. Maybe I'll be surprised, you know, if there's going to be, Maybe a team like, you know, well, I'll put it this way. Even if a team like Detroit or Kansas City, giving the example of two teams not expected to be near contention, get off to like 20 and 10 stars and feel they're in it, they're going to follow the same philosophy that Rick Honda stated over and over again, that they're not going to jeopardize, you know, what they're trying to build for one year of trying to win. That's just not going to happen, you know. But I, I'm really curious as to what teams will take on salary. And in the, in the you know, counter to that, 
what teams are going to give up young players? You know, that's the lifeblood even more so now for these teams. So, you know, I mean, it's going to be a lot of interesting maneuvering if there is maneuvering at all. Excuse me. But I, I'm really curious of those two things. Like, what team is equipped to add payroll? You know, the Sox are in pretty good shape, especially with yeah. these contracts they've locked down. But what team in the in you know in the same sense wants to give up their young their young core? Or you know, and I guess that helps the Sox a little bit too because they have so many young players. You can probably trade some good players who aren't considered your top 10 to 12 guys and, and still be able to make moves, you know? I guess the thing that, that pops in my my head real quick is, is with the Cubs, they start, you know, 10 and 20, as you say, or 20, as you said, the, the Royals and Tigers 20 and 10, or the Cubs go 10 and 20, thinking of Castillo and Bryant and, and Quintana. I mean, those are, those are guys that have been rumored in trades regardless, but then, you know, you, especially with Chris Bryant, everybody knows that whole situation, but it's... Right. It's interesting. Well, yeah. you know, Chris Bryant's still, Chris Bryant's about, still got another year, right? So right. I would so bet that's Chris what I'm Bryant saying. The team would want to. And, and the thing that's interesting about Quintana, who's, you know, as they like to say on Twitter, an old friend alert from the White Sox <laughs> is, you know, I, I don't cover them, so I don't pretend to know exactly. But I mean, I did read that when he cut himself, he suffered nerve damage. So yeah. You wonder how much he's actually going to get in, in a 60 game season. How much is he actually going to get in this right. year? That'll be an interesting question. All right, Scott. Thanks for your time, man. Uh, it was good talking to you, and um, hopefully, we'll uh, hopefully we do get baseball next week, and everybody stays safe, and you guys included, and we'll hopefully have a full sixty game season. I say that with a laugh yeah. because I just I just don't know if that's going to be possible to play this whole season with playoffs and World Series. Yeah, I just want I just want everyone to be healthy. But I have yeah. to comment one more thing that you yeah. tweeted out about. I have a feeling James is being sarcastic on me being the best dress reporter. Yeah, I don't know if there thing. is a. James. I don't know if there is a best dressed on our beat, but uh, I don't know if I would win that award even if there was. He so. said I posted in the in the group chat for Southside Defense. I said anything you guys want me to ask Scott, and I hope nobody else said anything because I didn't check today. But James said yesterday he said tell him that he's the best dressed media member and what he thinks about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I do it. I do what I can. I. I I will admit that I may or may not to one of the summer camp games this year worn one of my Eagle shirts, but I, I can't confirm oh. or deny on that right yeah. now. That that right away makes me best dressed right there. I agree. I agree. And you you throw the mask on, and it's just a it's just a great great ensemble there for you. There you go. Perfect. Cool. All right, Scott. Thanks for your time, man. Uh, man, we'll look forward to talking to you again. Okay, sounds good, Clinton. Take care.